Good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. My name is Micah. If we haven't had the chance to meet you yet, this is my beautiful wife, Zandra. I am our community, or yeah, community groups and discipleship director here at NCC, and she's the community engagement director. And we are so excited to be speaking the word of God in front of you guys this morning. As you saw, we're talking about the movie Inside Out. And as we are in this series at the movies, we want to make it super evident we are not preaching these movies, but we are preaching the word of God and what it says about different topics that the movies bring up. So I think we have a picture of some of the emotions. We're going to be talking about some of these emotions today and the movie Inside Out. And in this movie, if you guys haven't seen it, it's a great movie. I love it. Riley and her parents move to a new city. um, And we see throughout their journey that joy and sadness get lost in Riley's head. They have to find her imaginary friend, Bing Bong, who helps them along the way find their way back to her head or headquarters, as they call it. Yeah, so as Micah said this morning, we are going to be diving into our emotions. And again, as we said, we're not preaching from this movie. It is inspiring our message. We're going to see a few clips in the message. But we ultimately want to tie it back to Jesus himself. So something that we believe as followers of Jesus is that he is both fully human and fully God. And I understand this is a very big concept, and if that is not familiar to you, you want to unpack that, I know our pastoral team would love to unpack that with you if you'd like to reach out to them. But we are looking at the humanity of Jesus this morning. And the truth is that he can relate to us in what we're feeling. And even in those moments where we have the really overwhelming emotions where they're like competing for first place, we're really overwhelmed and chaotic and it's just crazy. Um, I think some of us can honestly relate to Riley whenever she first moves to San Francisco. I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but all your emotions going at the same time, it's super hard to understand what's going on, and this is how it can feel, but we want to take this morning and just talk about what scripture says about our emotions and kind of break them down one by one, make it a little more simple and not as chaotic, and the first thing that we want to talk about, our first point, is our emotions are a gift from God, and they truly are, guys. He created us intentionally, and that includes our emotions, what we're feeling, And so as we talk about emotions today, I want us to keep this in mind that they are a gift from God when used healthily. And the first emotion that we're going to talk about is joy. In the movie, Riley's first and kind of head emotion, the one in charge is joy. And so she kind of runs the show. She's the one who's in charge, always kind of, you can see even in that clip, trying to make sure that Riley's always feeling happy. And I think when we look to scripture and we talk about the life of Jesus, sometimes we have this image of Jesus that he was very stoic, very serious, and that he wasn't a really joyful person. But that's not the case, guys. Jesus carried joy with him. He was a fun person. He had best friends. He went to weddings. He danced. He had fun with people. Yeah, and we actually see some examples of this in the Word, and I don't know if you're like me, but I honestly skipped over it. I didn't even register it as joy from Jesus, so we're going to look at a couple examples. So the first being, like Micah said, Jesus had friends, and if you're a person who has friends, you're not someone who is just always stoic and serious all the time. No, you're hanging out, you're having fun, you're laughing together, and that's exactly who Jesus was with his disciples. So two of his disciples, they were named James and John, their brothers. Well, um, they had uh, big personalities, very passionate, took things to the extreme, and we see that Jesus gives them a nickname. So 
Um, we're going to be in Mark 3, verse 17. It says, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he, Jesus, gave the name Boanerges. That is, sons of thunder. So that word Boanerges, it means sons of thunder or sons of commotion. So Jesus nicknamed these guys sons of thunder because he was teasing them. He was joking around with them, poking fun at them because of their personalities in this way. Another example we see joy in Jesus' life is the way that he taught. He actually used humor in his teachings. But it's not often that we read teachings and parables from Jesus and we're like, oh, he's a funny guy. But we just don't understand the cultural humor all the time. So I'm going to give you two examples of how Jesus used humor and hyperbole when he taught. So the first example is Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5. Man, I'm out of breath. I was just walking around and like talking without breathing. Sorry. Okay. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The next example we have is Matthew 19, verse 24. It says, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And I think sometimes in our Western thinking, our 21st century minds, we're like, oh, yeah, that's so good. Like Jesus was speaking about this really serious topic, of course, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And yes, he was talking about very serious topics. He was still teaching and preaching the word of God and the truths that God held to, but he was using hyperbole to make his audience laugh because this would have been really culturally relevant to them. It would have probably made them chuckle when he was talking because he was using humor to connect with his audience because Jesus is joyful. He's full of joy. Yeah, I think when we think of those Bible verses and we actually picture in our mind, it becomes a little more funny. When we think of trying to get something out of someone's eye with like a two by four, out of our own, and you're trying to like pick something out. I don't know about you guys, but I have terrible vision, and I'm trying out contacts this week, and still, I mean, I struggle. So imagine having a log in my eye, or a camel going through such like a tiny little hole of, on a needle. But I think Jesus like showed this next point really well, and it's we are created by a joyful creator. This is so true, guys. Like the, our joy, our laugh was given to us by God. He is a joyful creator. He is a joyful God, and that's where our joy comes from. That's where our laughter comes from, our humor, the things that we find funny. And Jesus carried his God-given joy really well, and he set the example for us. And all that he said and did, he carried joy. And when we can lean into a God-given joy that's different than a joy that we would find temporarily in the world, it looks different to other people and to us. It's not shakable. It's built on a foundation of God, what he says, what he does. And a joy that comes from him doesn't run out. It's not based on us getting a gift that we wanted for Christmas or a promotion at work or that bonus that we thought we were going to get. It's based on God. So when those things don't happen, we can still find joy in the moment and it looks different. It's noticeable to other people because it comes from God, an unshakable source. And I think as we talk about emotions and them all being gifts from God, oftentimes we think of joy as like a good emotion. Like joy is the good emotion. We want to feel that one. And we think of other emotions as bad emotions. 
sadness, anger, fear, they're bad because they're uncomfortable to feel sometimes. But these are not good or bad emotions. They are all emotions given to us by God. And so when we can change that perspective on them, it's going to help us understand why God gave them to us, what purpose they serve, and how we deal with them in a healthy way. Yeah, I think that's really important to remember. So as we're talking about emotions, if you're one of the people like us who really tends to think, okay, these emotions are bad, these emotions are good, let's just kind of start with a clean slate here and just look at them as emotions, neither good or bad. But one of those bad emotions that we had talked about, sadness, I think sadness in particular can feel really bad. Like we tend to want to just shut it out, get rid of it as soon as it comes up because it's not easy to feel. It hurts a lot of times. It's uncomfortable. But why is it that anything in opposition of our joy or of our happiness, we just tend to think is wrong or bad? Isn't that true? We do that. We think that, oh, if we're not happy, if things aren't going great, if we're not joyful all the time, oh, my life is chaos and a disaster, and I'm just really sad right now. Instead, what would it look like if we switched our perspective on sadness and looked at it as an opportunity? You see, sadness, there can be opportunity through it. Ways to empathize, ways to process through what we're feeling, and in our movie Inside Out, we see there's a moment Joy and Sadness get separated from headquarters. They're meeting up with Bing Bong, this imaginary character who looks really cool. Um, but we see a moment where Bing Bong's rocket gets taken from him. I want you to pay attention to how Sadness responds to him in this situation. You see, by Sadness sitting with Bing Bong and what he was feeling, she was able to empathize with him. She didn't rush him through that process like we see Joy doing. I don't know about you, but I really relate to that. When I feel like I'm having my joy stolen from me, I feel like something is off and wrong, and I need to correct it as quickly as I can. I feel weak sometimes whenever Joy is not in control. But if we're being honest, when we try to replace one emotion or one feeling with another, especially joy in the place of sadness, we end up feeling numb or we feel empty because it's not how God designed us. So that's what I mean when we're saying emotions are neither good nor bad. We're looking at how do these emotions play into each other. And we actually see an example of Jesus processing through sadness in the word. Yeah, and we see this in the story of Lazarus in John 11 and a brief context for you guys. So in the story of Lazarus, Jesus gets news that a close family friend of his, Lazarus, is sick and in bed. And so Jesus takes a few days to finish what he's doing in the city previously, and then he makes his journey to Lazarus. And when he arrives, he finds Lazarus has been in the tomb for a few days already. And we'll pick up in John 11, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and he's referring to Lazarus' sister, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And as you keep reading through the story, we see that the story ends in joy. Jesus raises Lazarus. He calls him out of the tomb. But Jesus takes the time here to emotionally to sit with 
Lazarus' sisters with his close family friends through what they're feeling, through what they're processing, and also what he's feeling. I mean, he lost a friend. He knows how it's going to end up. He knows that it'll end in joy. But his friends still went through suffering. His family still had to lose him and go through that for four days processing what they were feeling. And he didn't try and rush them through it or be like, no, it's okay, I'm going to fix it. But he sat with them. He wept with them. And this is so important when we're dealing with sadness that we don't try and shut it down, like Xander was saying. We're trying to replace it. But how do we deal with this healthily is actually processing through it and not trying to shut it down or shut other people's sadness down and saying, no, our joy is found in God, so we don't feel sadness. No, that's not the truth. Like, we have emotions. We have feelings. But the blessing is that we get to process through those feelings with God. He understands our sadness and our grief. Jesus went through those feelings as well. So when we take them and we can bring them to him and we're honest about them and what we're feeling, he's able to walk through that path with us of what it looks like to process those feelings, what it looks like to go through that pain. And I think for certain emotions, at least for me, even if I'm just speaking for myself, but they're a little bit easier to involve God. And I think whenever I'm happy, joyful, or even when I'm feeling sad, it's a little bit easier for me to invite God in than when I'm feeling, like, angry. I don't know about you guys, but when you, I feel angry, I don't want anyone to be involved. I don't want to be around anybody. I just want to be by myself, like, process through what I'm feeling. I don't want to be around people. And that's because a lot of times our anger can take over really quickly in our minds. It takes control. It takes control of the panel, like we'll see in Riley's life, and starts to run the show. And this is kind of how it goes in a situation with Riley and her family. I love that. Every time when we were preparing, every time it said, sir, reporting high levels of sass, we quoted that to each other every time. Like when Micah reports my level of sass on my bad days, I'll be honest, I respond in anger. Um, no, but for real, anger can take over really quickly. In situations, a lot of times it's from really pent up, building up emotions, but when it gets triggered, it just full force ahead, full speed ahead, and it can become really passionate really, really quickly. And when we think of anger, it's kind of hard to relate this to Jesus because, like Micah said, a lot of times we have this image of who Jesus is in our minds, and he is 100% perfect. But as we are talking this morning, he's also 100% human as well, experiencing human emotions. Like we experience anger, Jesus himself has also experienced anger. We're going to dive in to scripture to show that. Mark 11 verses 15 through 17, it says, and they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables, meaning y'all, he was flipping the tables over. So just have that in your mind of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And we can initially understand, well, of course he was angry because the temple, the house of God, was being used for market, buying, trading, selling. It's not its intended purpose. So, of course, Jesus was angry. He was flipping tables. Okay, let me throw in a side note here. When you get angry at your spouse or your kids or your parents, I'm not telling you all to flip tables. Don't go home and say, oh, well, I heard in church. Don't do that, okay? (laughs) 
But I did want to give a little bit of context to what's happening here. So at this temple, um, what they're speaking of, the temple actually has four layers. So think of like a uh, square, and each layer towards the center gets more holy. So that very outer edge, that's called the court of the Gentiles. It's where the Gentiles, or people who were not Jews, could come and worship. But they were kind of exiled by the Jews. Like they didn't want them around because they were not of their descent or their original religion. So they could be in the very outer edge, but not in the center. But this is the place where the Jews decided to set up market. So when Jesus comes here and quotes scripture from Isaiah and says, is it not written, my house is to be a house for all nations. Did you know that this anger is actually rooted in racial injustice? Because Jesus is saying, my house is for all people. And that, guys, is where his anger was rooted from. It was not a reaction to being offended. It was not a reaction in some conversation that just made him want to flip a table. But they were being directly dishonoring to the word of God. And that is what truly was the catalyst for his actions. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and at the beginning of the movie, Joy describes the emotion, anger, as being really passionate, is what she says. <laughs> and I think this is a great way to put it. In our anger, we can get really passionate. But the healthy way that we can process through that is actually taking a step back. And not in the heat of the moment, saying things or doing things in that anger, and then trying to make these use. Well, it's just what I was feeling. Like, I just needed to deal with whatever I was feeling. It was my emotions. No, we have to take responsibility for our emotions and what we're feeling, pent-up feelings. And when we can take a step back and reflect, we're able to view, Do I, am I getting angry because I feel like I'm being treated unjustly, I feel like a situation is wrong, and then you're able to bring that back up and have a conversation about that? Or is it that you feel like you should have got something or it was a desire in your heart that you feel like you're not getting what you want, so this is how we respond. But we have to learn to be able to take a breath, take the step back, and deal with that emotion of anger. And in anger, God can use that to point out different things that we're dealing with, that we're feeling passionate about, Feelings that we feel really strongly that we don't even know, but they come up in that moment. And that's why it's also so important to reflect is because God can point out those things through that feeling. But again, anger is never a way to justify the feelings. So as we're talking about this, I want you guys to know it's never okay to justify actions or words that hurt other people because you're feeling a certain way. We have to be able to establish self-control in ourselves to deal with this in a healthy way. And to view anger in a healthy light, we need to practice self-control when we feel it, asking ourselves why are we angry, is a self-centered reaction, or is it based on dishonoring justice? And again, our emotions are a gift from God, from all the emotions that we've talked about so far, and also fear, which we're going to talk about. And I think fear ultimately helps keep us emotionally and physically safe. Like, whenever we're afraid of heights, I don't know if anyone else can relate, but I don't want to fall off of a high place. So it's, <laughs> it's an understandable fear, but I think we can all relate to having some irrational fears. And we see this in Riley's life. She has her first day at a new school, 
I don't know if anyone else moved around a lot, but I went to different elementary schools, and first day is the scariest day. And so we're going to see kind of how this plays out in her, in her mind. Here's the thing. Fear is real. We all experience it. If you're sitting in this room this morning and you're thinking, oh, no, man, I'm not afraid of anything, I just don't believe you. I think we can all have fear in different places. And I want to pause and I want to take a moment to talk about that. Because I think there's a stigma around fear. And I think there's especially a stigma around fear in the church. It's like whenever we admit to being scared of something or fearful in a situation, why is it that we feel like we're admitting to ourselves and other people that we don't trust God? Like when my dad was really sick when I was a teenager, if I admitted, oh man, I'm really scared, my dad can't walk me down the aisle, I felt like that was me admitting that I don't trust God. We're going to break that off this morning. It's not biblical, and it hurts us when we do that. Don't get me wrong. We're not supposed to stay in a place of fear. God has more for us than that. But we don't have to be afraid of allowing him to be in the middle of that with us. You see, we have one of two options when it comes to fear. We can either stay in what we're feeling, afraid of telling God what we're feeling because that feeling's too big for him. We don't want him to see it. But we ultimately can be petrified in that fear. We're living in a state of fear because we don't want to address it in the first place. Or we can identify, this is really scary. This fear is taking over my life. But God, I give it to you. And I surrender it, and I ask that you're in the middle of what I'm walking through. And I promise you, something shifts when we invite God into the middle of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we see this in Jesus' life. And before we go into this part of scripture, I also just want to like emphasize, God is not going to be offended of your questions or your fears. That's not who he is. He's a confident God. He's our confidant. We can go to him. He's our counselor. So whenever you are feeling a fear, you don't, feel, you don't need to feel like you need to hide that. Or God, what is going on in the situation? I'm afraid and I don't know what you're going to do. You don't have to hide that from him. Yeah. And we see in the story of Jesus, he even dealt with this feeling. And we see that in the garden, the night he's to be arrested by Roman soldiers in Luke 42, verse 44. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will be done, yours. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. See, the fear that Jesus faced in this moment is understandable. I mean, he was about to face the cross. He's about to be persecuted by, he's about to be arrested by Roman soldiers, put before a whole bunch of people who wanted to kill him and eventually would. And this fear didn't make him any less perfect. It didn't change the fact that he was fully God, but it did make him fully human because he had that feeling. And fear is a very real human emotion. But what we see in Jesus' story is even though he faced the feeling of fear, he knew God had called him to do something. So he trusted in God through that. And God guided him through that. And so he was honest with God of what he was feeling. God, if there's a different way for this to happen, please show me the different way. 
But when it came down to it, God had, had a calling for him, and he walked through that fear into that calling. He faced the fear he was feeling. He trusted that God was with him. So when the soldiers came to arrest him, he went. When, I try not to get emotional, but I mean, it's so real. Like when, when they persecuted him in front of all of his family, friends, he said there, he didn't fight. When they tortured him, and he was whipped almost to death. He took it. When he was hanging on the cross, he was there. And ultimately when he died, he went. For you and for me. So that he could walk with us through the emotions that we feel now. So that we could be in unity with him once again in eternity. So that along the steps, Holy Spirit could take our hand and show us how to deal with these emotions. Not always asking us to be perfect, but instead to just live in our humanity and let him do the rest. That he would be our guide. He would be our stepping stones. And this doesn't mean that our emotions aren't painful or difficult or hard. But it does mean that he'll walk through each and every one of them with us. That we don't have to do it alone anymore. And so here in a moment, we're going to give everyone in the room an opportunity to ask Jesus to be their Lord. And again, living a life even with him doesn't mean that we stop feeling hurt or these heavy emotions or they stop being difficult. But again, it does mean that we don't have to do it alone anymore. You have a family here. You have a God that cares about you, that wants you to bring everything to him and lay it on the ground in front of him. And so I want to ask you guys to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. First, I want to talk to those of you in this room who, this morning, you, you don't have that relationship yet. Trying to figure out how to walk through these emotions by yourself. Figuring out what's the right way to do it. But you're tired of doing it by yourself of navigating these heavy emotions without the covering of Jesus, without his counseling, without your heavenly father. So we don't want anyone to pray in this room alone. So if everyone can repeat after me, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. For all that you've done. For all that you've done. That you hung on that cross. That you hung on that cross. So that I could be with you again. From this day on, I need you as my counselor, as my father, as my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to live a life with you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen, guys. Can we give a big celebration to anyone making that decision this morning? It's truly amazing. That is amazing. Hey, maybe you're in this room this morning and God has revealed a few emotions that need room for growth, that's amazing. We celebrate that this morning. It's where we all want to be, right? We all want to be in a posture of growth. So we um, wanted to say one last point this morning to remind you guys that these are not bad emotions, but there are bad ways to use them. 
These are not unhealthy emotions, but there are unhealthy ways to use them. We are grateful, however, that God has shown us so many examples in his word of how we can relate our emotions to Jesus, know that he is here, that he's our comforter, that he walks with us in the middle of those emotions. And he's given us other tools to help identify those things in us and work through them with our community, our family, our friends. So this morning, we wanted to give you one more tool on your way out. Some of you already may have gotten it this morning. Um, For those who haven't, they should be handing them out on the doors on your way out. But it's this emotions wheel here. Some people call it the feelings wheel. And I know those words are hard to see, but it'll be more clear on your paper. But we just touched four emotions this morning. There are so many complex, particular emotions, and they can be really hard to identify if you have not practiced this regularly. But for our action steps this week, our first action step is take this home with you and find a moment this week to do a quick check-in with your spouse, with your family, with your kids, your parents, even if everything is great. That's awesome. Go ahead and have a check-in to start identifying what it is you're feeling day to day. It'll help you in your communication, in your relationships. And then finally, in the back on the wooden walls, we have an inside-out poster with some emoji stickers. So with that emotion that God has been putting on your heart, like, okay, I need to work in this a little bit more to be more God-honoring, go ahead, find that emotion sticker, and you'll stick it up on that poster on your way out, okay? Let's pray before we head out this morning. God, we thank you for the beautiful opportunity it is to be in your house, to celebrate you, to appreciate the fact that you died, rose again, so that we could be with you in eternity. And God, that you're walking with us through every single step. Thank you, God, for the gift our emotions are to us. If there's healing that needs to happen in our minds and the way that we view our emotions, God, I pray healing over our minds. Thank you for being in the middle of our emotions. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.